Are you a police detective using a ham radio to talk to your father in the past to solve a murder? While also involving the 1969 Mets? If so, we're doing the 2000 movie Frequency. What the hell are you wearing? Looking like Big Bird's side bitch. Watch out for that first step, it's a doozy. It's got a dance curse. How about you? Mm, good. Play that Schwartz beat with you. Check it out. Welcome, everybody, to Flick Magnet, the podcast. We're episode 32. Wow. Wow. 30 friggin' two episodes. I'm your host, Jay. I'm Bob. What's new, buddy? Nothing much, man. Just another uh, couple of interesting weeks, you know? It's leaf season. It's also cold it's as fuck. Here. It's annoying because it gets all up in my nose and my ears. Sorry. I hate leaf season. Yeah, it's here, man. I got. I started doing some cleanups today. I had the black shit up my nose, in my eyes, but uh, it's all good. I got two two months left of work. Then I'm off. Then I'm downing allergy medicine like it's candy, just yeah? to make. Are it you stop. shooting it in, into your veins? Right into my veins. I heard if you shoot it into your eyeballs, it works faster. I like to grind it up and snort it. Do a line allergy yeah? medicine. Yeah. You want to do some right now? Give me give, some. me give me some of that Allegra. Oh, oh that's the good stuff. It's a booger sugar. Booger sugar. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, yeah, we're doing Frequency. This movie is super, super nostalgic for me, and I have a lot to tell you guys about this movie. So, without further ado, here's the trailer. Once in a decade, massive solar storms invade our atmosphere. Disrupting global communications. John, it's your dad's old ham radio. Go over to the den, huh? Plug it in. And causing unexplained phenomena. W2QYV. This is Frank Sullivan. <clears throat> Hello? What'd you say your name was? Frank. Frank Sullivan. Is this some kind of joke? That will allow John Sullivan to talk to his father. What do you say we tame this Bronco, huh? You and me. Spared guts. Who's been dead for 30 years? But how could it be? I don't know. But we gotta be talking off the mother son spot of all time. I've missed you so much. Well, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your life. I'm a cop. <laughs> You're third generation firefighter. Come on, I thought you were gonna grow out of that cop phase. What's going on, Zach? Frank says that he's talking to Johnny on the radio in the future. Hey, little chief. There's somebody I want you to talk to. Good night, John. <laughs> Good night there, chief. Chief, chief, chief. Oh, my God. Hello? Something's wrong. Something we did changed the past. Something happened to mom. Your mother what? No. She was murdered. We got to do something. And try to stop this guy. I may not know who he is, but I know where he's going to be and what he's going to do before he gets there. Do I call the police? They're not going to believe me. You got his prints. I want you to hide that 
that wallet. Somewhere where nobody's gonna find it for the next 30 years. The window seat in the dining room. It's in! I got it! Wow. You gotta give me something I can believe. Well, you gotta catch him in the act. And you can make that happen, Dad. I'm not a cop. I'm a firefighter. We can do it together. Remember spirit and guts? Yes, yes, yes. I love you, son. I love you too, Dad. I'm crying. So that is the trailer for the movie Frequency from the year 2000, directed by Gregory Holblit, with writing credits by Toby Emmerich, starring Dennis Quaid. I can't pronounce Jim's last name. Caviezel. Caviezel. I just know him as Jesus. Yes, he is Jesus. Sean Doyle, Elizabeth Mitchell, Andre Bauer, Noah Emmerich, and Melissa Arrico. Yeah, nice, nice. There's a good cast here. It's a good cast. It's... Oh, fuck this movie. Jim Caviezel was Jesus. Dennis Quaid has been a quality actor for, what, going on 40 years. Yeah, I mean, uh, shit, let's go through a couple of his movies uh, that started off. Dreamscape. That's a great movie. Love that movie. First time I saw that movie was on Laserdisc. Wow. Yeah, at my grandma's house. See, I know the later actor, Dennis Quaid, was doing movies like The Rookie. Yeah. That's a great movie. What was the one? Was was that the one when he was like, clear the mechanism? Or is that Kevin Costner? I think that was Kevin Costner. For Love of the Game. For Love of the Game. Yep. Uh, the Rookie is where he plays that coach in Texas who becomes uh, yes, yes, the yes, pitcher yes. for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Fucking love that. True story. He was also in The Day After Tomorrow. Damn. And uh, let's let's talk about a couple other guys. Andre Bauer, who plays Satch. Okay. He was in Glory. <clears throat> Yes. Which yes, is a was. freaking great movie. Maybe we'll do that one day. He, I saw him and I went, that's the guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, wait. He was in the movie Glory. Yeah, he's the gay chief. He's the gay chief and he's hilarious. Hey, that show is fucking hysterical. I'm sad it ended. It was just really it good. It was on for a while, though. Oh, it was a good six, seven seasons. Yeah, that's good. It's a good run. I mean, anything after five, you make money. The, uh, the the main character is the guy singing this song. I'm a weirdo, yeah, I'm a weirdo. What, what, weirdo. He also did the song Dick in a Box. Yeah. Oh, he also did the uh, the Bash Brothers. Yes. Remember that? With, uh, about Conseco and, and McGuire? <laughs> That's right. I, I think it was on Netflix, and I don't have that anymore. Go find that. It's I can't remember his name, so but he's funny. on he's on that, that singing group, The Longley Island. Is that yeah? The, okay, and right. they, they did a jog, song called Jack Sparrow with Michael Bolton. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, he's the he's the main guy in Brooklyn Nine Nine. So he, you he's know on he SNL is. for a little while. Look, you know, look him up. he's funny. He's a funny mother effer. This uh, this is a gr- this. Let's get right into this movie. Oh, this is also the first appearance of Michael Sierra, Mister Bland White Dude in every white guy movie. Who is he in this? He is Gordy Junior. Oh, Gordo. Yeah, Gordo. The ginger from across the street? Well, I think he's Gordy, Gordy Jr., so it's got to be his son later in the show, later in the movie. Yeah. You know, he was in Superbad and Juno, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. He is like your very basic white basic guy. bitch ginger white guy, right? But he gets a lot of money, and he, sh- he just shows up out of yeah. nowhere, a lot of crap. He's fine. He invests in Yahoo. <laughs> I looked up after watching this movie if Yahoo still exists, and it does. It's hard. It's hard to believe that was before people were googling. Everyone was using Yahoo. Two thousand. Yeah, Yahoo was 
boom, at the peak of its prime. And you know what's funny? Yahoo had the opportunity to buy Google and did it. Uh, oh, they wish they could go back in time yeah. and have somebody tell them to go invest in... Man, I wish my dead dad would tell Yahoo to buy Google. I wish my not dead daddy, maybe he's dead, I don't know, that's pathetic, would tell me to invest in Amazon and Apple. Yeah, I wish I invested in Apple when Apple was at $37. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. This studio would be a lot nicer. A lot of things would be a lot nicer. With that said, let's get some beer. What is the malted liquor? What gets you drunk or quicker? What comes in bottles or in cans? Beer. Can't get enough of it. How we really love it. Beer. Makes me think I'm a man. Beer. I could kiss and hug it, beer. but I'd rather chuck it. Beer. Cut my belly out to here. I could not refuse it. Beer. I could really use it. Beer, beer, beer. Beer, 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 beer. Mo, give me a beer. All righty then. Jay, what are you drinking? I have a, from uh, Kane Brewing Company, a Party Wave. It is no description, but it is uh, quite yummy. It's a 7.4% beer. It is a Indian pale ale. It's also quite yummy. It is my favorite beer from them. This is good. What are you drinking there, buddy? I'm drinking from the Wet Ticket Brewery <clears throat> in Rawway, New Jersey, Scarecrow Juice Pumpkin S- Ale. Describe that label. That is badass. It is a freaking scarecrow. It looks great. Very descriptive, Bob. Thank you so much. For Come that. on. It's a scary scarecrow. I mean, <laughs> how how <laughs> how hard do you have to think about this? Do you guys not know what scarecrows are? Come it, on. It's a cool can. It's in Halloween colors. It's got some bats in the background. It's a silhouette of a moon. Fucking cool and spooky. It's also six point three percent alcohol. Yeah, it's a, it's a basic bitch. Ooh, Ooh. pumpkin spice. Is it good? Because I didn't have one yet. It's really good. Oh, very nice. I'm still working this, and I'm gonna pace myself. Burp right into the mic. Yeah, how we roll on this show. Burp approved. Do you smell (sighs) what my ass is cooking? Yeah. All right, let's get into this movie with a Ooh. little sound bite from the beginning of the of the film. Believe your eyes; those are in fact the northern lights on view above the city for the first time in nearly eighty years. At five a.m., hello New York. The big story this morning, of course, is the Amazons taking the field today in Baltimore for their final practice before tomorrow's opener of the nineteen sixty-nine Reds. This morning, sanitation workers discovered the dead body of another nurse in a dumpster in Queens. This is the third nurse killed in what New York papers are now calling the Nightingale Murders. The Nightingale Murders. Aurora Borealis. Are you telling me the Aurora Borealis is here localized entirely in New York City? Yes. At this time? <laughs> well, it's there for a reason, Robert. It's to save lives. That's it. All right, so let's get into this. We start off in 1969 as we hear a radio nice. talking about the Nightingale murders and how all three victims were nurses. And they were found strangled. They also mentioned the Aurora Borealis. Then, Bob, a forklift drops its load as a gasoline trucker swerves out of the way and crashes. He blew his load all over the place. Next, the fire department shows up as one of our leads, Frank Sullivan, decides to go down and rescue some people who are trapped in the sewer. Yeah, because after that truck blew his load, it ca- that truck, the uh, fuel truck went gushing all yeah. over the place. He pulled and sprayed everywhere. That's a gusher there, my friend. 
that is someone on a lot of B vitamins that has not been very active for a while. I hope he didn't eat any pineapple. It makes it a little tasty. It does. How would you know that? That's what I've been told. So I'm told. So I'm told. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is that where they are trapped, it's flooded with gas, and there's a live wire hanging, and they can't get the power company to shut it off. Did we mention it's also underground? In the sewer. In the sewer. Yes. The chief tells Frank not to go down there, and there isn't enough time. Frank's like, what? And miss the World Series? Womp, womp, womp. So he is able to get the rusted door open without making any sparks. And just as the wire drops, causing the sewers to blow up in a ring of fire. Don't you know sparks won't actually set gasoline on fire? It won't? No. You can actually put a lit cigarette in your gas tank because your car is running. And it won't blow up. I want to test that theory out. Well, let's get your lawnmower started and throw a lit cigarette. No, let's not do that. (laughs) Frank and his partner get out, saving the day just in time. Nice. Nice. Good job, Frank. Next scene, we see Frank riding home on his sweet 1965 Harley Davidson Electroglide, 74 cubic inch, FLH panhead with a four speed foot clutch and hand shift. Back in the day when people could afford them, not nowadays. Yeah. I uh, always thought that was an Indian when I first saw it because it looks like an Indian. It does look like an Indian. Yeah. Originally, this bike was a police special. By the way, Bob, it's also. October 10th, 1969. Nice. My daughter's birthday. Whoa. October 10th. Not 1969. No, 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 no. But, like I said in the beginning, this movie. All right. I'm going to get into it. This is the movie I went to when I met my wife on a blind date. So, there's that. And in the year 1999, when this was filmed, I was the best man at a wedding. And as a gift from being the best man, it's in the den. I can show you. It's a wood plaque with all the 1960 Mets, 69 Mets World Series baseball cards and a team photo. Nice. Come on. The Mets. Meet the Mets. So we got the Mets. Wife, daughter, the Mets. Mets. The Mets. As the camera focuses on the giant CB radio antenna on the house. I have some customers that still have that on their houses. You could still do uh, ham radio. And you do. You got to get a license. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So Frank gets some shit from his wife, Julia, for going against the chief and asking and risking his life earlier. Frank says that it was under control. But you're just getting a little tight in his old age. Come on. What's the matter? Jewel says that there's nothing wrong with old age as long as you get there. With very bad New York accents. Oh, terrible. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis. No. No. They then keep dancing as the camera stays on her... Fire department medallion necklace. Is that what that was? Yes. It wasn't a nursing necklace? No, it was an FDNY necklace. As they're dancing to the king, Elvis. That's right. As young John and Gordo look on. We then hear some CB radio chatter. As Frank is talking on the CB, we hear this. CQ-22, this is by for call. Because of the solar activity. Yes, beautiful. We got the sky over my house lit up like a bonfire. Hey, how you doing? Yo, Papa the Poopy? Hey, do you have a mustache? Papa the Poopy, how you doing? Hey, you want the pizza and the nut? 
Hey. Peter, just because you have a mustache doesn't mean you can speak Italian. <laughs> That's probably my favorite bit from Family Guy. It's so funny. A scoozy? A scoozy. A boppity boopy? A boppity boopity boopity boppa. A boppity boopy. Boppity boopy boopy. As we pan from a shot of Earth from space back down through the Aurora Borealis and into the same day, but the year is now 1999. That was a cool uh, little transition. It was a nice transition. I like how they do that. They do nice that. early 2000s, yes. 1999 transition. Yes. I appreciate it. It's now 1999, and John is all grown up smoking a cigarette as his w- wife, girlfriend, I wasn't sure exactly what it was. I believe it's girlfriend. Okay. Oh. She's packing up her shit and is about to leave him. By the way, we are still at the same house. This is the house John grew up in. He still lives there. You know what? You have a house in New York City. And it's, it looks like a decent-sized house in New York City. Mm-hmm. There's no way, no way in hell I'm giving that up. No. So John tries to convince her to stay, but she's not having it. As the camera stays on a, a pic of them with John's mom. Are you sure he wanted her to stay? Because he, he flat out says, yeah, we should have just broken up a long time ago. Yeah, but then he flips the script. And he's like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, then he's bad at it. Because this is a yeah. very pathetic it's, attempt it's a, to keep your so girl. Maybe he did want her to leave. Like, Bitch, get out of here. Pretty much just like, you knew who I am. Stop bitching and leave. Get out of here. He's, he should have just said this. Ooh, you suck. <laughs> she leaves and says goodbye. I'm a cop, you idiot. <laughs> goodbye, chick. Get out of here. You knew who I was. I'm a cop, you idiot. He turns to her and says, Who is your daddy and what does he do? What killed the dinosaurs, the Ice Age. <laughs> I don't mow my lawn. I stand on it and dare to grow. Knock, knock. <laughs> Stick around. We're fucking morons. Uh, She says goodbye, Chief, as she leaves. John just stares off because that's what his dad used to call him. Oh, my daddy. Daddy called me that. Daddy wasn't there to take me to the fair. Lost that love and feeling. We see here that John is a police detective as he puts his badge on the counter. Grabs a bottle of booze and heads off to the local baseball field bleachers and looks at the northern lights in the sky. Because that's what you do in New York at night. Grab a bottle of booze and go look yeah, at but the park. Think, think about it, though. He just He's done work. Long day, right? Comes home, his girl's leaving. And he lives across the street from a baseball field. I would do that. And you have to fucking the, the northern lights right there in oh, New yeah. York. I would be staring at it all day. I would day. be there. Exactly. Do you remember when the Northern Lights happened a bunch of years ago? We had them over over brick. No, it was real. It, it was it was the Northern Lights. It was nice looking at. It was pretty cool. I don't remember that. Yeah, that was what going back when I was in high school. So, oh god, over almost over twenty years ago. Yeah, what are you thirty eight? I'm thirty seven. Thirty seven. I will gra- I will be graduated out of high school in 20, 24, 20 years. Twenty years. What am I? Too long. Too long to admit. So, just like his dad on this day back in 1969, his dad's doing the same thing at the same time. Well, in a different time. Except not drunk. (laughs) He might not be drunk. Maybe he just started. Man, he's smoking them heaters, though. He is darting it up. Yes. So, back in 69, when John fell off his bike, when Frank was trying to teach him how to ride it, he was like, come on, chief, you got it. And John's like, nah, I'm scared. I can't do it. Can't do it. Gonna so, fall off and die. Yeah. So, so he's like, all right, I'm going back in. He goes home, and Gordo and his kid are there, and Gordo Sr. is cooking. 
and Junior's playing a baseball video game. I could not find out what that game was. Gordo Junior, Michael Sierra. Nice. Did you recognize the game? It looked like it wasn't the show. It might have been um, MLB Baseball. Like That's what I was thinking. MLB Baseball like, 99 or 2000. Early, one of the early ones. Gordo asks if he can borrow some fishing gear, and he tells Junior to go look in the closet. While looking for the gear, they find his dad's old fireman's chest, and inside the old is the old CB ham radio. And a shotgun. Yeah. Because that's where you hide your gun, in your old oh. fireman's chest. I just It just hit me. They were, they were laying that out, the shotgun. Yeah, that's why I'm mentioning it. Yeah, I, I didn't get that. It, it went right over my head. Dumbass. It's called placement. I know, and I love Plot that. Plot setting. Plot setting. They take it out, and they set it up. But it only stays on for a couple of seconds. Gordo leaves, and John sits down after just calling his mom and leaving her a message and goes through some, old, some of his dad's old things as someone... On the TV, he's talking about the Aurora Borealis and how it's never been this bright in the last 30 years. It's because of all the light pollution over New York City. Yeah. John goes through some newspaper clippings of the World Series in 1969. Nice. And at the bottom of it, there's a picture of Frank as the headline says, Warehouse Fire Takes Firemen. And there's a picture of Frank's dad, uh, John's dad on it. So his dad's dead. Then John hears some chatter coming from the other room. When he gets there, it's someone that sounds like Frank speaking, and he asks for John's license numbers to broadcast. John's like, I don't really know how this old thing works. You gotta have a license, buddy. If you don't have a license, you can't use the radio, yo. The voice says that. They both say that they are broadcasting from Queens, and the voice says, Queens, huh? You excited about the series? John says that he doesn't follow baseball anymore. He just got fed up with all the bullshit, you know? Ain't that the truth? That is... That's me. That is the truth. Oh, by the way, congrats to the Texas Rangers. The only Rangers I'll ever root for. Goddamn right. Fucking Rangers. Rangers suck. Fly or swallow. They could win the cup this year. Who? The New York Rangers. Oh, perish the thought. If they don't... If their team... Stays healthy. That's a powerhouse team. They are. A, they are a loaded team. They're a loaded team. Defense check. Goaltending check. Uh, snipers check. Oh yeah. They got it all. And I hate that. I hate it too. Hate it. But we're doing good too. Devils are fucking killing it. They have a power play percentage of 54% right now. Suck on that NHL. It's so stupid good. They score every other power play. It's so good. <laughs> Come on now. What was it the other night? Like they went three for four on the power play. Yep. I'm like, what is this? And it's always the first line. The fir- usually, I think Dougie Hamilton had one yeah. yesterday. How about how about Hughes being so good? He kicks Hamilton to the second power play unit. Right. A rookie. He's got Ovechkin type power from that side. The rookie is running a pa- is running power play run. He's not, he's not rookie anymore. Well, no, he only played a couple games. This is his rookie year. Oh, this counts fuck, as his rookie year. Right. Just because he came in for like two, three games last year doesn't count. This is his look. This is Luke Hughes' rookie oh, year. Oh, Luke. Oh, okay, you're talking about Luke. No. I thought you were talking about Jack. No, Jack, this is year three for him. Yeah, he's going to say he's no rookie. So the voice is taken back by this and says that how can you live in Queens and not love the Amazons? John's like, he's like, what? The Amazons? The Amazon Mets? What, the 69 series? John says that he'll love Ron Swoboda till the day he dies. Frank's like, now you're talking. 
The Mets can't win game one without him. Just then the radio starts to static out. But John goes on, game one? What are you talking about? It was over after Buford nailed Seaver's second pitch out of the park. Frank's like, no way, buddy. Ain't gonna happen. As more static comes through, hey, CQ-15, CQ-15. Connection's lost. No. I would have been like, you son of a bitch, you just fucking spoiled the World Series for me? Well, <laughs> he's from the future, so it's like, yeah, that ain't going to happen. You're full of shit, yo. Yeah. It's the amazing. They haven't been called that in decades. Not since Yogi Berra was the manager. Yeah. Back in 69, Frank gets up and trips over their pup, Elvis. Does he trip it? Or it kind of sounds like he punted that dog into the wall. <laughs> no, he trips. Because then he's like, oh, sorry. I heard thonk. I'm like, did he just punt that like, this Dalmatian? fucking... Hyper Dalmatian puppy. It's funny. Oh, f- ha, firefighter Dalmatian puppy. Oh, I get, get it. it. Get it. So when he trips, he cracks the doorway glass. And it they show it cracking in 99. Then Frank puts Little Chief to bed by singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And then we cut to the next day where it seems that the entire neighborhood and police alike are at Frank's for the next Mets World Series game. Words that might never be said again. The people going out and watching the Mets together? No, Mets in the World Series. Oh, God. <laughs> God damn it. It's only been, what, almost 10 years now since they went to the World Series? They went with the Harvey and that, and that, that whole yeah, contingent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. Who did yep. they lose to? Oh, they lost to the Kansas City Royals. So it's Game 2 in Satch, Frank's cop friends, hands out tickets to Game 3 to Frank Jr. and Gordo. Imagine that. Your friend just gives your kid World Series tickets? That's when World Series tickets were like 20 bucks. Yeah. Not nowadays where it costs you at least $500 it's to go to the World Series. Fucking thousands. For the shittiest seats. Stupid. Uh, Frank then takes a group photo. Everyone say, Amazing Mets! Cheese! Amazing! Yeah, he snaps the photo and it fades into a human skeleton being discovered by authorities in 1999. Well, that's not amazing. It's not amazing. I mean, it's amazing that they found the body. That's kind of cool. It's an old body, as it turns out. So Satch and John are on the case. John goes off to talk to the neighbors as Satch stays at the scene. John goes over to, to the shepherds to see if they saw anything. While he's there, he notices that their son served as a police officer. They tell him that their son, Jack, died a while back, as his mom says that it feels just like yesterday. Satch and John then head off. The shepherds. It's a cool name. It is a cool name. Jack, I'm Jack Shepard. Every time I hear Shepard's, I think Shepard's Pie. I love Shepard's Pie. I love Shepard's Pie. So good. It's the greatest thing ever. You ever make it with Guinness? With Guinness Shepard's Pie? I don't make Shepard's Pie, but my wife does. But no. I normally make it, and sometimes I'll buy Guinness, and I'll throw a little Guinness in the gravy and make a a Guinness gravy. Yeah, that's good. It's fantastic. Uh, We have made uh, corned beef and cabbage. In the bag with Guinness in it. I actually like cooking with Guinness better than I like drinking it. Yeah, Guinness isn't the greatest at all. No. It's, it's well, not fine. since now that Guinness here in the States is made in the States. Really? Yeah, it's made in Baltimore. You can actually go to the Guinness brewery and tour it. Um, back in the day, you know, we used to get Guinness, and it, and it actually came from Ireland. It came from St. Uh, James Gate in Dublin, and it just tastes that much better Compared to the swill we get out of Baltimore. I wouldn't call it swill. I mean, it's fine. Okay, I'm trying one of these pumpkin beers now. 
Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Is this a, right. is this is this label also a little glossy? Because you've got better light than I do. Ooh, it's a little glossy. Got a little it shimmer is in that label. A little. This is a fucking killer label. It's this a, is going on the fridge. We got to be careful. We don't want to fill this fridge up with labels too quick. But this one deserves it. It's only got one on there. Yeah, it's got the Chewbacca. This is good. It's very subtle. The pumpkin. So far, the best pumpkin ale I've had this this year is uh, Ship Bottom. Yes, we had that. It was very good. It's very good. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on pumpkin pie? I love pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie is delicious. I like it. Once I uh, I made a no-bake pumpkin pie. Don't do that. No? It's gross. It's always better to get baked. Yeah. It was not good. No. It was, it was messy, runny, and uh, quite frankly, just fucking gross. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But I still ate it. But this is good. I like this. I will definitely scarecrow juice. I just saw that. <clears throat> scarecrow come. <laughs> Give me your juice. Oh, bust a nut. Yeah, buddy. Busted nut. <laughs> scarecrow busted. That's for you, Bob. Busted makes you Bobby. feel good. It does. The quote Ghostbusters. <sighs> Another great movie. Now John is at his mom's and they're remembering Frank. As John says that tomorrow is 30 years since they lost him, and he wishes that he could remember him better. His mom says that he was just a big kid who wanted to play baseball forever. And he loved fighting fires. Back at John's in 99, the CB's working, and Frank is trying to make contact. John answers as Frank asks him about how he called Buford's Homer. John says that it wasn't too hard. It happened 30 years ago. Yeah, sure it did. Yeah, okay, buddy. So I suppose you can tell me what happened in game two, huh? John's like, yeah, no problem. Top of the ninth, Al Weiss hit an RBI single. Brooks Robinson grounds out to end the game. Then 6-9, John comes in and asks his dad, to sing the baseball song to him. As Frank calls him Little Chief and tells him that he'll be there in a minute, future John hears this and is like, hey, you call your son Little Chief too? Yeah, he's like, he's like this. He's like, hey, hey. Hey, Little Chief. Hey, Little Chief, what are you doing now here? Frank's like, yeah, I do. Uh, what'd you say your name was? Ask John. Frank says, Frank. Frank Sullivan. John thinks that Gordo's messing with him. They both start to notice some similarities as John asks Frank what his call letters were again as the camera focuses in on the on John CB as Frank says W2QIV John then tells Frank his past relationship with the 1969 World Series and gives his address and says that his father's name was Francis Patrick Sullivan Francis Patrick Sullivan you think he's Irish just a little bit sounds fucking Italian to me if you oh, ask Oh Papa and he was a firefighter and a diehard Mets fan. And every night when he went to bed, he would sing, take me out to the ball game. As John is saying this, Frank is pressing down on the talk button, but nothing's happening. He gets so upset by this as he tosses his lit cigarette to the side as it lands on the desk. As Frank asks, who the hell are you? As the cigarette catches on fire in 1969 and starts to burn on John's desk in 1999. Freaky. John says that he burnt the desk. He can see it. Frank isn't buying it and tells John to stay away from his family. You stay away from my family. But John says, it's me. It's Little Chief, Daddy. Daddy, it's Little Chief. Hey, Little Chief. Don't you love me, Daddy? Daddy wasn't there to take me to the fair. I swear he doesn't care. 
daddy wasn't there. Frank takes that as a threat and says that he will hunt him down to the day he dies if he ever comes near his family. He has a, he has a certain particular set of skills. He's not afraid to use them. <laughs> God, that's another movie we gotta do. But you already died. What are you talking about? The Buxton Fire, October 12th, 1969. Frank's like, I ain't dying in no fire tomorrow. Frank's persistent, but John tells him that it happens in a warehouse, and he went with his instincts. Just go the other way. John says, if you had just, you would have made it. If you just would have went the other way. The radio craps out again, and the connection is lost. Where are you going? I want to talk to you. <sighs> I need a drink. Drink it. Drink, drink it. Drink a little drink for me. This is really good. I, I do like this. It is uh, it's very good. I will say it's also, Bob. Very yummy. Very. Like the mm. other one. Very <laughs> yummy. Cut to the boys in 69 watching the game as Frank looks on. As Al Weiss is up to bat. But at that time, they get a call as a warehouse is on fire. <laughs> and see the look on Frank's face. Like, He's like, shit. There's a warehouse? A where what? On fire? God. After the guy in the radio just said, I'm going to die in a warehouse fire? They're like, Frank, you ready? He says, uh... How about new? I think I'm just going to stay home and make the chili. I'll, I'm going to watch I'll this cook. game. I'm yeah. just going to watch this game. I'm not feeling really good. I don't want to die. I just I just shit myself. I mean, what are they going to say? I just shit myself. Are you crying? Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying in firefighting, Bob. Damn it. Just like Junior said. Then one of the firemen, still listening to the game, on a handheld radio says that the Mets won. And we won. We did it. Now Frank is starting to get nervous. So the fire crew pulls up. And at first they're like, this is a surround and drown. There's nobody inside. Then some lady comes running out saying that her sister's inside. As Frank goes to save the day. He can't help himself. We cut to 99 as we have John sitting down for drinks with Gordo and Satch. Uh, back to Frank's point of view as he makes it up a burning flight of stairs as they crumble behind him. We go back and forth with John and Gord with Butch in 99 and Frank in 69. So John is reminiscing with Butch and Gordo. Then they run out of helpful advice as the fire rages on. Frank goes the other way. He listens to what John tells him as he throws his helmet through a window as Frank rescues the girl, slides down a grain chute. At the same time, John has dropped his glass and both the glass and the helmet fall in slow motion as John gets flooded with memories of his dad growing up that he never had. That nice sequence here. Yeah. As they play shoots and fire ladders. Shoots and fire ladders. Both the helmet and the glass land, Bob, at the same time. Whoa. Whoa, in synchrony, in different decades. Wow. John asks Gordo and Satch if his dad died in the fire. They're like, no, he died of lung cancer. Yeah, lung cancer, fuck. don't you remember? Like 10 years ago. Yeah. Dumbass. From, from the cigarettes? Frank then calls Chief on the CB that night, and Little Chief says that he's right here. Hey, Little Chief. Frank, feeling great, decides that John's going to learn how to ride that fucking bicycle. You're going to ride that bike, buddy. And he does. I owe it to your future self who just saved me. Future me. Play Eye of the Tiger here. <laughs> this is me talking to myself. John goes home, checks the same article that said, Warehouse Fire Takes Firemen. Now reads, 
fireman rescues Runaway from Inferno. Whoa. Wow. Then John notices that on the desk, writing is being burned into it as it reads, I'm still here, Chief. I'm still here, Chief. Yeah. Still here, Chief. As we see Frank back in 69 burning it in his desk with a uh, soldering, solder iron pencil. Ooh. I always say solder. It is solder, isn't it? Solder. Solder? Yeah. They get back on the radio, and they're they're both so excited. John tells Frank that he has all these new memories, but he still remembers the ones when he was gone. That's got to... It's like a that, dream. Like a memory dream. Yo! It's like a dream within a dream. Like Inception, but better. Yeah. <laughs> that movie sucked. We're never doing that movie. Just... Con- Ugh. I'll confuse my fingers typing it. <laughs> Is this real or is this fake? I don't I'm know. Not, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not high enough to do that movie. Oh, yeah, Bob likes uh, getting high now. Right? It's, it's legal. This is legal. I bought myself a grinder. I got a big old Gandalf pipe and I go outside and I smoke weed. We got to get Mike in here. You guys need to fucking smoke up together. Smoke weed every day. You should try his shit. I'm getting stuff from from Washington that's grown in the fields. So it's corrupt? It's, <laughs> it's corrupt weed? <laughs> no. Washington, the state, not Washington, the D.C. Okay. okay. It's, uh, it's like 25% THC. It's, it's, it just, I use it Is to sleep. Is that high? I have no idea. I use it to sleep. I have trouble sleeping. So what I'll do, <clears throat> so I'll wait till my wife and kids go to bed. I'll grind it up. I'll smoke it. And it just mellows me out just enough to where I just shut the world off and go to sleep. Now, how are you in the morning? I feel great. That's fucking great. I have some of the That's best sleep great. on weed. I, I have better sleep on weed than I do melatonin. Bob, do you, do you sleep on weed? Um, have you ever watched Pretty Woman? <laughs> you ever watched Pretty Woman on weed? weed? Has, that's that one and fuck you, fuck you, fuck <laughs> you. You're cool. Fuck you, I'm out is my favorite quotes from that movie. Nice. That's almost like a Christmas vacation. Yes. Let's just say it. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Kiss my ass, kiss his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Frank asked John how the baseball career went. He says that he gave it up after he blew out his arm. Frank then assumes that John became a fireman, but he tells him that he went the other way. He's I'm a, a cop, you idiot. He's a cop. <laughs> I'm a cop, you idiot. They go on chatting for a while, and eventually he tells Frank that he needs to stop smoking because they're going to get the best of him. He's like, what? Nah, my dad smoked a pack a day, every day, forever. He's, he's okay. I've been drinking, I've been smoking Indian Red since I was 16. Yeah. Uh, the Native American Reds now. The pa- the writing's a little, it's, it's a little it's more. It's 1969. But... We can say, uh, uh, <laughs> say it <laughs> now. Reds. That's what they are. It's fine. Who cares? Say it brown. Say it brown. What? I don't know. Say brown? I don't know. <laughs> Cut that out. I don't even know what How I said. How now, brown cow? <laughs> I went to town to see Mrs. Brown. So they're about to sign off, and they both say, I love you to each other. Which was cute. This actually, like, this got me. Because I got some dad shit, you know? Yeah, I'm right there with you. So this was a little bit of a tearjerker. Frank then goes to visit Jules at work at the hospital, as she is a nurse. And she stops another nurse from over-medicating a patient. I thought that was a doctor. What? I think it was a doctor. It was a male, male guy in a coat. I think it was a doctor. The doctor tried to kill him. Oh, that, that really? Was, that was a doctor. She stopped the doctor. She stopped the doctor from trying to murder. Oh, that so guy. basically, 
nurses are still running the show. No, always be nice to your nurses because they normally know more than the doctor. Yeah, fuck doctors. Nurses are where it's at, man. Well, how was I supposed to know? Well, it was in his chart, retard. Yeah, it's right there. It's literally in his chart. I mean, that's what she said. It was in his chart. Read his chart. But as it turns out, maybe she should have let him do it. Oh, no. Maybe this guy deserved to die. This patient, by the way, Bob, looks pretty familiar. He looks very familiar. From a picture we saw from before. Little, you know, shaved. Yeah, who is this dude? Hmm. Hmm. Then John's having a nightmare of a funeral when he was a little kid. He tosses and turns. Ah, he should have smoked some weed. Oh, yeah. He would have slept better. He would have slept real good. And as it turns out, it was his mom's funeral. Oh. Oh, what? But wait, he was talking to his mom earlier. She's alive. (laughs) And now you're dead. So he wakes up and immediately calls his mom on the phone, but gets Noah's Deli instead. Man, he should have ordered a pastrami sandwich. I mean, at that point... Yeah. One in Rome, order the pastrami. When you wake up and your mom's no longer in existence, just start eating. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Well, why don't you cry about it? He goes to the library and tries to talk to Sam, his girl who left him, but she doesn't know who he is. Yeah, who, who are you? Yeah. Back at the cop shop, Satch tells John that the skeleton from the beginning turns out to be a nightingale case. Whoa, what? Satch says... That makes 10 kills total. John's like, 10? No, it's three. Satch looks at John like he's nuts, hands him the files and says that nobody knows this case more than he does. Yeah, he reviewed all the files a million times. As it turns out, Jules was one of the later victims. His mom. His mom. His mom was killed by the Nightingale killer. Yes. He goes home and tells Frank uh, what's happened to his mom. He says, it happened on October 22nd, 1969. Frank says, that's now, Johnny. That's next week. He tells Frank about the Nightingale and says that something something they did changed the past. John tells his dad that everything is different now and that he came out of that warehouse. He asks him what he did the last what he did last night. He tells him a couple of a uh, couple things, like teaching him how to ride a bike. Remember that, son? And also he went to see his mom at the hospital. John says, that's it. She wasn't supposed to be there. She got picked up because that was the night of the fire. So that doctor was meant to kill that dude. Yes, he was. Frank's freaking out, and he doesn't know what to do. John says, hang on a second, and pulls out the case files. He says, we may not know what he looks like, but we know where he's going to be. Man, we got him. And what he's going to do before he even gets there. That's pretty cool. He's playing chess, baby. He's two moves ahead. That's right. John says that these women weren't supposed to die, and we let that happen. We're going to have to live with that for the rest of our lives. Frank says, what if the CB stops working? Well, then get mom the hell out of there. Get out of Dodge. Then John tells Frank where to go and when she was killed. Her name is Carrie Reynolds. It's tomorrow night at Cozy's Bar. So Frank goes there to try to stop it. It lights up a dart and sits at the bar and starts watching Carrie. Carrie Reynolds, not the movie Carrie. Oh, by the way, did you see my uh, my costume? Yeah, it was good. Did you get it? No. You didn't get it? Yeah, you were, weren't you the guy from Scream? Yeah, it was Billy. Yeah. Billy Loomis. You had, you were, you were all kill- killers, weren't you? 
I well, well all right. Oh, happy Halloween, by the way, everybody. Hope everyone had a good ho- happy ho- Halloween, not Halloween, Halloween. And I was Billy Loomis at the end scene, right after he bangs uh, Sid, and Ghostface comes in, and stabs him twice. Yeah. So I had a white T-shirt with blood, you know, where I got stabbed. I had the Ghostface mask in my pocket to let you know that I was also the killer. Very nice. And I had the Ghostface knife. And Bob, I parted my hair down the middle. Very nice. Yes. yes. I went as an unemployed wizard. There you go. I had a I had the Gandalf hat. I had a big pipe. I had a band T-shirt on with a flannel shirt. I was a pair of sweatpants, and I was carrying around a magic potion, which t- was tequila, uh, dyed green. That's cool. It was a magic potion, all right. If you're ever in a pinch and you need a costume immediately, just pull out your pockets and call yourself a taxpayer. <laughs> it works, and you'll get a uh, you'll get some chuckles. Or you just you know rub a little dirt on your face and go as a hobo. I'm a bum. We can't call them bums anymore. They're bums. They're now uh, the whole the uh, unhoused. Nope, nope, nope. They're bums. They're hobos. Make sure you make yourself a little bindle on a stick. When I was a kid, that was I, I dressed up as a as a as a hobo a lot. Remember, they used to have the big white. You put the big white face yeah. right around it, and then you yeah. Here's my costume. Ready? Because I was an army brat. Because my stepfather was in the army. I had an old. Army jacket, like a just a army green, like a private's jacket. Right. And the stick with the, you know, the rag. Yeah, the bindle. The bindle. That was it. That was it. That's all you need to do. I think my mom even sewed like hobo on the jacket. <laughs> you know, you could have pulled one arm in and sewed it and gone as a Vietnam vet. Yes. <laughs> I was born on the 4th of July. Yep. <laughs> oh, fuck. It was a different time. It was a better time. So Carrie and her two friends buy Frank a beer. Oh, we got to talk about trick-or-treating real fast. Yeah, sure. Trick-or-trunk is the worst thing that ever happened to trick-or-treating. You mean trunk-or-treat? Trunk-or-treat. Yeah. You need, it needs to go. It's ruining trick-or-treating. It's retarded. People are, are doing that instead of coming up to houses and getting candy. I mm-hmm. know my buddy had three bags of candy. Nobody went to his house. And he had good stuff. How'd you do? Uh, I, brought, I bought a thing of 30 full-size bars. And I think I got rid of 26 of them. That's pretty good. So I did really good this year. But years past, I would buy two of those, and I'd have one left. I would have, like, one and a half left over, and it was disappointing. But, yeah, uh, trick or trunk, get rid of it. Trunk or treat. Whatever. (laughs) Trunk or treat. I don't know! I don't know! Super Super Bowl Saturday? God! Uh, We had a... It started off slow here. And usually we are rocking, but it's been slowing down, but it picked up to the point where I had one candy left. Nice. One candy, and I was like, oh. So Hannah went out and got one, one more bag, and then uh, nobody else came. People saying that uh, Lake Riviera is rocking. Yeah, that's the place to go. Every, everybody goes there. See, that's no fun. Then the neighborhoods like, uh, like these get killed because everyone's going somewhere else. I'm with you. Go where you live, at least for a bit. My neighborhood's getting better as more families move in and more kids are around. This one fucking kid came up to me. He's like, you, you have the same decorations every year. I'm like, yeah. Do you want fucking candy, asshole? Shut the fuck up. You're complaining about my decorations? How about you go fuck yourself? Should I not put them up? Would you like that? You little shit. 
Yeah, Jesus. No candy for you. Get out of here, you little punk. Yeah, uh, get lost, Rummy. I have nothing for you here. No soup for you. Next. Go fuck yourself. So uh, she buys Frank a beer. As he goes over to chat with them, as a familiar face looks on, Bob. Whoa, familiar face. Yes. Back at the station, John gets a call from forensics about the skeleton as they have a dental match. He tells Satch that her name was Mary Finelli. She was reported missing April 16th, 1968. April 16th? That makes her the first, which means she probably knew her. He probably knew her. John then goes to look at the Carrie Reynolds photos, but they're gone. All of her file is gone. He did it. Satch is like, who? You know, Frank saved her. Yes. So she doesn't die. John and Frank are back on the ham, ham radio, and John tells him that it worked. Just then, Julia walks in, so Frank puts her on, and John talks to his mom. Back in time. That'd be cool. That is kind of cool. Right? Then young John and Gordo walk in, and he says, good night to little chief, and then Gordo says that he wants to talk on the radio, too. Frank leaves Gordo alone to talk to John, and John says that he's Santa Claus, and he's going to give him the biggest Christmas present he's ever had. He tells this is something he needs to remember for a long time. Ready? Yahoo. Yahoo. Now go upstairs and write it down. Gordo goes to bed, and John gives Frank the next victim, Sissy Clark. She moonlights as a cocktail waitress at the Kaleidoscope on West 63rd Street. She was killed in her apartment after she left work around 2.15 a.m. between 2.15 and 5 a.m. Jesus. Yeah. What are they, the fucking cable company? Yeah. We'll be there between 12 and 9. 12 and we're not going to show. We're not show. Fuck you. John goes to Mary Finelli's mom's house, you know, the OG, and gets her yearbook to try to get some clues. He takes it back to the shop and they think they have a suspect. Daryl Simpson, all around good guy. History of sexual assault. Ooh, that's, that's a good culprit. That's, 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 that's good. Back at the kaleidoscope, Frank is there watching Sissy Clark as is our familiar friend. As back in the future, John is questioning Daryl Simpson at the police station. John throws photos of victims at, at Daryl, but he freaks out. He's not the guy. He's like, no, what, are you, what is this? Uh, death. Uh, scary. So back at the classroom, Frank goes into the bathroom and gets jumped by our friend Jack fucking Shepard. <laughs> He sucker punches him like a bitch. That is a fucking pussy shit thing to do. Sucker punch a guy like that? You following me? Whap! Don't you fucking square up to him, you little pussy. Yeah, he's a little bitch. He's a bitch. He attacks him, Frank, and he questions him why he's been following him. Frank fights back a little and says, Mary Finelli's name. But Jack knocks him out and takes his license. But not before stopping on a pick of jewels as he goes to strangle him, but gets saved as a couple of hippies come in. Talk about the old-fashioned just paper license. Yeah. Don't, no picture no on photo, it. No photo, just a... Just you and your crappy signature. I, I remember my mom had one of those. My mom had one of those, too, before they started putting photos on it. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a good idea to put a photo on there. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. So, uh, basically, they saved his life by coming in to take a leak. Frank comes to and goes to Missy's apartment as he's banging and making making a scene. I'm the police. As he finally gets inside, but he's too late. She's dead. Aww. Yeah, she's dead, all right. 
Frank and John are back on the CB as John's trying to talk to f- talk Frank up as Frank tells John that he got his driver's license. He took his driver's license. He knows where I live. John's like, he took your wallet? No, he tossed the wallet. John says that they've got him. We have his print. Get me that wallet, John says. He's, he tells Frank to take the wallet, put it in a plastic bag, and hide it in the window seat. He does, and John gets it as Frank has a look on his face like, what the fuck are you talking about? What is this craziness? John takes it to forensics, and they scan the print as it comes up as Jack fucking Shepard. He's, he's a cop. He's a cop. That guy's a cop. He's a cop. I'm a cop, you idiot. John then goes to visit Jack's parents again, or should I say parent, as Mrs. Shepard is now dead. As it turns out, it happened a long time ago. And by the way, she was a nurse. Yeah. Hence why they call it the Nightingale Killer. Yeah. Florence Nightingale, a nurse. Yes. Get it. Get it, guys. Get it. Get it. John asks how his wife died. He says she was murdered. Murder. Murdered. She was murdered. Really murdered. Okay. Seriously. Done. A murder. It was a great murder. It was a wonderful murder. It happens. It happens. She's dead. She's gone. Now Johnny's at a bar where Jack is having a drink. He asks if he's on the job, to which he says, used to be. John then tells him about a body they found that goes back to his day. You know, the Nightingale murders, you fucking asshole. You did it. I know you did it. You yeah. did it. Yeah, Mary Finelli. What are the odds? John says the best part is she was the first victim, so she knew the killer. Jack's face looks like a ghost. At this point, John's balls grow, just like the Grinch's heart, and he slides over and tosses some pics of his murdered mom. What the fuck? This guy is crazy. What is going on here? And says that you changed your M.O. If they knew that your mom was the first Nightingale, they would have looked at the family. They would have looked at you, Jack. Damn. Whoa. He's got him. Then uh, John says this to, 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 to Jack. You can't handle the truth. Back in 69, Satch comes to Frank's house and says that they need to have a conversation right now. Let's step outside. They go outside and Satch asks him where he was last night as he holds up his license and says that they found this under a dead girl. Satch says that they need to go downtown as Frank says, Downtown. Okay, just let me go tell my family where I'm going. Frank goes to the CB and tells John what's happening as Satch comes inside and grabs Frank as the CB falls to the floor as Satch takes Frank away. It breaks, and then it breaks in it breaks. the future. Back at the station, Frank fills in Satch on everything and tells him that the killer is Jack Shepard. Satch is like, you got to give me something that I can believe. Frank pauses as he hears the Mets game going on in, in the other room, in the background. Frank says, what if I can prove it? What the hell are you talking about? What you talking about? He says, what are they, in the fifth inning? What if I told you that in the bottom of the sixth inning, the Mets are going to be down three zip, and Cleon Jones is going to come to bat. And he's going to hit, he's going to get hit in the foot by a wild pitch. And it's going to leave a shoe polish mark on the ball. Satch says, he's, why does it smell like shoe polish? It's not buying, he's not buying it, but Frank goes on. He, he goes, he goes to first, Clendenin comes up. He's going to hit a 2-2 pitch into the left field bleachers. This is insane, he says. In the bottom of the seventh, Weiss is going to hit a solo home run, and Jones and Swoboda are going to score in the eighth. The Mets are going to win that game 5-3. to three. 
He tells him, go watch the game. And if he, if that doesn't happen, he's a liar. Satch says that they're going to they're gonna match you to the Nightingale murders, buddy. Do you get what that means? You're going to die, pal. You're, they're going to fucking kill you. You're going to roast because back in the day, New York went to a bunch of pussies. They actually killed somebody. They sure did. Satch goes to get a coffee with Jules and to talk as Shepard walks into the cop shop and into the room where Frank is. He pulls a gun on him and says to sit the fuck down. Satch's partner breaks it up and questions Jack as they leave Frank. Yeah, why are you trying to steal my collar, man? Yeah. That's apparently a big issue. It's like trying to steal like a, like a stealing, salesman. It's stealing somebody's credit. Yeah. Not cool. So they leave and Frank tries to escape by electrifying the doorknob. This was this scene was very inventive. It's very cool. It was very cool how I did it. But then I was thinking, you plug that wire directly into the freaking the power unit there. He right into mm-hmm. the box. Right. How is this guy not dead? He should be dead. He's a fireman. He knows things. Bob. He should have fried that guy. Instead, it's 1969. It's different electricity. I love how. I also love how <laughs> inside uh, inside the box is the old glass. The old glass freaking fuses. Yeah, the yeah, round yeah. glass yes, fuses. Yes, this is 1969. It's a fucking different time. So he he uh, electri- electrifies the doorknob. He pours coffee on the floor and attaches some hot wires to the doorknob. Cut the satch talking to Jules and the game's on in the background and the shoe polish plays happening and now satch is starting to pay attention. It's like, what? He's like, oh, oh, what? Shit. After has a conversation like, He's claiming that he's talking to your son in the past. Yeah. You know that, right? You know how crazy this sounds? Shepard goes back to try to finish off Frank, but Frank's waiting for him, looking cool as shit, as he tosses the wires into the coffee that Shepard is standing, electrifying him as he gets... You got knocked the fuck out! Frank then sets off the fire sprinkler system after taking Jack's ID from his wallet. Which wakes up. Jack. The fire, the, the uh, sprinklers do, yeah. Yeah, after he's been electrocuted. <laughs> it's different electricity. <laughs> this is the old, This is one of the only kind of plot holes I'm like, this guy should be dead, and now he's getting more water on him with electricity. Maybe the wire shorted out. It tripped, that, maybe it tripped the fuse. Yeah, it did trip. You know what? It did trip the fuse because then the power went the out the Because the TV goes off. So there you go. So no holes. Okay, but still... He got electrocuted. Mildly. Mildly. He should not be waking up less than five minutes later. I mean, I was, when I was a kid, I was plugging in the, the vacuum cleaner and my finger was touching one of the prongs. Oh, yeah. I, I, I got thrown the fuck back. I know. I got knocked off a ladder changing a light bulb when I was a janitor. That sucked. Oh, my neighbor, my old neighbor, saved my life. On the side of my house, I was installing when we were doing the siding. I was putting one of the the, uh, the motion lights at the peak of that of the roof, and the wire was still hot. I didn't note it. I didn't realize it. I touched it, and I was at the top, about to fall off. He grabbed me and pushed me back up. Damn. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> All right. So uh, he takes Jack's ID from his wallet and leaves the police station and waits for Shepard in his house. Shepard goes to the closet and hides something and then leaves. Frank then goes to the closet and finds Shepard's trophy case 
just as Jack comes back and says, Fool you! Yeah. <laughs> he didn't leave. He fooled him. Just like in that show, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I came out blasted! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he charges at Frank as Frank narrowly makes it, diving through a window onto the fire escape. Jack gives chase while shooting at Frank. Meanwhile, while that's happening, Satch is in Shepard's apartment as he sees all the trophies that Frank dropped when Jack was shooting at him. Talk about a real idiot. Yeah. I, not only did he put the jewelry on there, he put all the clippings of everything. the person. He, yeah, he, oh, he's guilty. He made, yeah. he made sure. Here's everything, if you ever find this, to convict me. Right here. Why would you do that? Because he's dumb. Serial killers are weirdos. Yes. Right? They're fucking weirdos. I'm a weirdo. Weirdo. Cut back to Jack now looking for Frank down at the docks. Frank pulls Jack through a rickety dock board that's all like rotten you know, from the salt water. And he pulls him into the water. Uh, they fight underwater until Frank pulls out a lag screw from the bulkhead and pushes them back up as Frank stabs Jack a few times as Jack drops his gun and floats down. You'll float too. They all float down here. I really want to do it. Which one? The, the newer one? I don't know. The Tim Curry? Because I love the Tim Curry. I version. love them both. They're both good. Both very good. But probably the first one. Poor Tim Curry. Yeah, he's not He's, he's not looking too good. Wheelchair bound because of that stroke he had. Ugh, strokes. Different strokes for different folks. Stroke right? it, stroke it. The cops search for Shepard's body, but don't seem to find it. Frank goes home to his family as John takes out the CBE to try to fix it. As we hear that the Mets have won the World Series! Yes! Yeah. Yes! Not in my lifetime. Yeah, you're like... 86. They won in 86. That's right. Thanks, Buckner. Billy boy. Well, right between his legs. Thanks for the t-shirt that I had made. Can you believe people gave that guy death threats after that? Yeah. They threatened his, Boston threatened his life. It's a, it's just a fucking game. Come on. For crying out loud. Throw the fuck up. Give me a break. Anyway. So he's trying to fix the CB as we hear that the Mets won the World Series. And Don Clendenin was named the MVP. Back in 69, Frank does the same thing as Jules gives him a coffee and his cigarettes. Frank goes to have a smoke but thinks about it, then crumples them up and tosses them into the trash. He's done with them. Yeah, I'm not smoking no more. Were those camels? They looked like camels. I think they were camels, which are hardcore. Yeah, they are. No back, filters. Maybe. Back in the day when I was a kid, camel would come around and like do demonstrations in the parking lot of the of the shop, right? Mm -hmm. And they had this this flight, basically a flight simulator. You would get into this flight simulator. What the fuck? Yeah, and they would strap in, and this flight simulator would would move all around, and you would be in a camel race car, and you would be in a plane and stuff. And it was just a big advertisement to get kids to smoke. Joe Camel was that your? He was there in person. He was there. But in pog form, no, he was there in uh, in actual just video form. But it was just this wild like video simulation that was done by the by the smoking company. It was just outrageous. That's fucking insane. How the dude. how what reached it would get people to smoke. God, if you smoke, why are you doing it? 
Like nowadays, we you know the risks. It's like, insanely horrible for you. Like back in the day, I want to say going back even like forty years, you probably get away with it. Nobody really knew. They knew they were prescribing it to pregnant women to help you with pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, a- after you take the leeches off from sucking your blood, smoke a dart, which is what really killed George Washington. But the leeches. Yeah, well, because he was sick back in the day, they thought it was bad blood, so they just kept bleeding yeah, him. Yeah, they would cut you. They bled him so much, he had no, like, white blood cells to fight his infection. Yeah. In theory, if they just gave him, like, a piece of moldy bread, something to work like an antibacterial, yeah. he probably would still be alive. He wouldn't have died like he did. Gotta get the bad blood out, I reckon. Oh, you got a head wound? Uh, you got a bullet in your head? Leeches. Let's stick this pointy thing up your nose and tap it with a hammer and see if that helps you. That's what they did to the Kennedy daughter. They gave her a freaking ice pick lobotomy. Yeah. Oh, they're terrible. So John, after throwing his cigarettes into the garbage. Because he's done. I'm <clears throat> done with this shit. That's it. Wacky tobacco. Just say no. John goes to check out the Northern Lights. And when he's gone, the CB magically fixes itself. All right. Pause. Yes. This was a cool effect. It was very cool, but this is the only, probably the only issue I have with the movie. But it's not really. I'll explain. (sighs) Okay, so. I'm assuming it fixes itself because time is changing. The things they're doing are affecting the past. So therefore, maybe... The think, CB yeah, the never thing, fell off. The things in the past are affecting the, the right. future. So, yeah, like it must have fell off and it was broken. But therefore, if it was broken, he it, would have been able to talk to his father in the beginning. But since he was already talking to his father beforehand and then it broke at that moment, it can, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, this, this movie's great. I'm fucking... I'm going to... Whatever. I'm ruining it. If you couldn't guess what how I feel about the movie from what I've said so far... It's a movie. Does it have to make sense, though? No, no. Th- this is fine. This does not hurt it. It's like in Halloween when Michael comes up with the sheet on his head, and the the, the and sheets the gla- cut and, out, and the glass, and the glass. Oh, all of a sudden, Mike's doing fucking sketch comedy. <laughs> what? No. This is around the same period as the Matrix. Does it all have to make sense here? Nah, I, I'm cool with it. I I like the effect. Oh yeah, with it with. It's it reminds cool me of the again. movie Christine when the car gets yes. back together. That's what it yes. reminds me of. It's exactly. a similar sort of effect. So, all right. I just wanted to point that out. That that was when I first saw I was like, ah, what is that? And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Doesn't. Anyway, Frank contacts John again and tells him that they did it. They stopped him. John's like, I don't think so. Something doesn't feel right here. As we see, someone is watching him from inside his house. The call is coming from inside the house. Oh, I'd love to do that movie. Just then, Shepard attacks John and says, it's his turn to steal his life and knocks him out. Then back in 69, Shepard attacks Frank and handcuffs him to the door as shots are fired as John struggles to get the gun away. John attacks Julia while Frank is cuffed to the door. This, I hated this scene. Uh, he just lays into bed with her and she's like, hey, bud. And then he puts his hand on her face, and she's like, oh, no, that's not my husband. So Jack's trying to suffocate her with a pillow. 
As Little Chief walks in into the room, as this distracts Jack. Hey, Little Chief. He didn't say that. Hey, Johnny. <laughs> this gives Julia Jules a chance to fight back as she scratches him in the face. Yeah, and then we go into the future and the scratches form yep. on his face. How does he not notice that? Like they just they start they, because they've always been there. Yeah, it's just so weird. But it's fucking cool, man. It's just fucking awesome. But it it's just so weird. It's so it's weird. Not, but it's not. It's so weird though. Like My, yeah, it's always been there. But at the same time, they're noticing when the the scratchers are going into the desk. He's noticing that happened. How's that got not noticed? At the same time, it's all of a sudden. I understand what you're saying. I understand. It's, but it happened. Back in '69, I know what happened, but it's but it's it's ha- it's it's occurring now. <laughs> it happened in '69, but since we're changing the past at the same time, now it's forming. How yes. is he not feeling on his face right now that that happened? It's just the it's it's the scar. I'm, I'm going to dis- suspend disbelief because it's a movie, but at the <laughs> same time, this is what goes through my head. <laughs> it's the scar. Doesn't mean I didn't put down my phone and I'm intentionally it's watching not, this movie. It's not right the now. current scratches. It's just the scar showing up. Okay. That makes sense, right? Yeah, the scars, the scars coming to life. Yeah, it's not him currently being scratched. I imagine if it was scratched that deep, that scar still hurts. I mean, it's still there all those years later. That's a pretty fucked up scar. Yeah, go Jules. Anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. He knocks her out and takes Johnny downstairs, and then uses him for a shield as Frank has gotten free and points his shotgun. Da da da! The shotgun. He uh, cocks it. Oh, yeah, he cocked yeah, it already. he cocked that shit. Back in 99, Shepard gets the upper hand and points the gun at John's head and says, Time to die, Sullivan. 69, Jack hears this as he turns his head. What the fuck? What is that? Is that my voice? Yeah. This gives Jules enough time to jump on him as they yell for Johnny to run. He does as Frank shoots Jack's hands off. Yeah, as he's charging him, he reaches his hand out, and he blows that hand off at the last second, yeah. right next to the barrel. Yes, that thing, so good. That thing has an explosion effect, like Jaws 3D. <laughs> good reference. Uh, this causes future Jack's hand to disappear, and now the room is... Like, what a cool melting effect, yeah, though. His hand doesn't awesome. just disappear. It, 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 unra- slowly it unravels through time. Dissipates. It, it's like watching Marty McFly's yes. family just disappear. It goes through all the levels of deformation. All the stages, it's yeah. fucking cool, dude. This was a really cool God, effect. I loved it. This is what I remember most about watching this movie on TNT. Yeah. Now the room is changing into a more warmer-looking house, as we see in here, a gun cock again. Get off my plane. And shoot Jack. Nice. Blowing him away. The camera pans up as we see it's Frank. It's Dennis Quaid, but older. And he says, I'm still here, Chief. Yeah. I didn't hear no bell. And they hug it out. (laughs) Just then, the Aurora Borealis dissipates, and we get a cool transition of a moon to softball effect. As it lands into Gordo's glove, it's now the present, and there's a softball game going on, and... Everyone's playing, and Jules is the third base coach. She's she's alive. Everyone's alive. So Frank's the batter, and he fouls one off, shattering Gordo's Mercedes-Benz headlight. And on the license plate, it says, One Yahoo. Yahoo! Yahoo! 
It's been tossed Who Demi- sings this song? I have no idea. Then we get a bunch of memories of John and his mom and his dad. Have a life well lived. Everybody is happy. Good winds and evil dies. And he still remembers all the bad stuff all at the same time. So he, now he he's, losing, both. he's losing he his mind. his fucking mind. Because he's got multiple memories. Then somebody comes out of nowhere and says this. It's got a death curse. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. <laughs> That's the movie. Shorter and then, notes. And then the grandson and the father and the son all hug. Oh, did you notice his... Wearing a Piazza jersey. Yes. <laughs> yes. For this notices uh, jo- Johnny's ex is in the, the stands and she's yes. pregnant. Yes. This is the year 2000 and they're just about to be disappointed by the New York Yankees. Yeah. The, uh, the Subway Series happens this year. Yes. 2000. And if you're a Yankee fan, like you are, it was good. Well, Roger Clemens is roided up throwing the bat. He throws a spear at Mike Piazza. He sure did. That is Roy Ray. That fucking psycho. 2000, great year. That's when I was married. Good song. Aww. And that's the movie. It's time for our reviews. So Rotten Tomato's critic score for this movie is a 70% and an audience score of 81%. And IMDb gives this movie a 7.4 out of 10. I'm good, man. So let's start with the positive reviews. Bessie Bodich of Real.com. As long as you're willing to suspend your disbelief, which you have to, this is one heck of an entertaining way to kill a couple of hours. You're fucking right it is. All right, my first one. Title. Wow. One of the greatest movies ever made. Wow. What a story and a finish. Amazing this movie has it all. Family, baseball, some twists and intents. The great American dream. That's right. Well said, sir. I agree. That was the whole review? That was it. Wow. Straight to the point. Unlike most of the reviews we get for this. Robin Clifford of Reeling Reviews. An intelligent science fiction thriller that also happens to be a solid father and son movie. It's entertainment aimed at adult, not teen audiences, and squarely hits the mark. Forgive the Hollywood ending. But the ending was... Time's complexity. Our lives linger across the threads of time, but if given the chance, wouldn't we pull one away, taking back an event that led us to now? But if the past touches the future... Does the present disappear? Where would we find ourselves? And what price would we pay for changing the course of our lives? Could we escape the intricate lines of fate that wait to weave across the terror that we leave behind? Jesus Christ, is this a rush song? Would we still risk all to save one life? And questions such this grip us in its intensity. And as past and future crash together in a suspenseful whirlwind of a story. We plunge deep into the dilemma of time. Time Held stand still. fast time in the rapid heartbeat of drama and mesmerized by the 
brilliancy of cast and crew in a movie called Frequency. Jesus. (laughs) James Kendrick of the Q Film Desk. A satisfying thriller because it's something more than just the mechanics of its plot. It's a good story, and characters go along with the suspense, which makes it much more of an interesting and involving. Nice. A science fiction tour de force. This movie did more to explain, use, and get characters out of time, travel paradoxes than anything I've ever seen on a screen. This movie blew me away with how it handled what had seemed like a goofy premise when the flick had come out. I wouldn't call it goofy. I have now watched it from beginning to end on three occasions, and it continues to blow me away. The casting of the fut- of the father and son in 69 and the present day are great, and watching the son unfold with every change in the past is wonderful. Why this movie didn't even get nominated for a Hugo Award, the awards given by the World SF Convention each year, amazes me it should have won the award. Damn. So we're going to move into the negative, negative reviews. Negative review. Wesley Level of CinemaSite. Yeah. Frequency, it's in quotes, yeah. is an interesting movie that will appeal to a wide audience but reality is checked at the door for a solely escapeless, escapist movie. Sentimental drivel. I can't believe this film has been given such a high rating by so many people. What a load of sentimental. Everybody lives happily ever after. Twaddle. I'm sorry, but this film is not science fiction. The dreamer is amongst. You may enjoy it, but anyone who lives in the real world. Dot, 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 dot. Jesus Christ. Jeffrey M. Anderson of Combustible Celluloid. Like a kid who builds and details a loving sandcastle on the beach and then it, and then stomps it all over it. The movie's completely destroyed in the last 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Uh, this is my last one, and it's a bit long. So. Oh, God. This movie is dreadful, much like a bad dream. Uh, here we go. For a movie to have a scientifically flawed premise and then to present so many time continuity issues, I'm sorry, continuity issues, and have us believe it is just too much to ask. The first hour of this movie is paced like a yellow flag at the Indy 500. And I'm done. I'm not reading the rest of this. Jesus. It's too long and I don't fucking care. Francis Siswick of One Guy's Opinion. Frequency is what you get by taking Back to the Future and making it slow and schmaltzy. I will read the end of that last one, and it's, I would rather find myself in a room being stung by a million angry hornets than ever have to see one more instant of this disgraceful movie. He could have went better. He could have said, I'd rather drag my balls through a mile of broken glass and watch this movie again. I mean, hornets stinging. Hornets stinging, yeah, but... Balls and broken glass, I think, would be I think worse. It's worse. I think it's worse. Yeah, it's much worse. All right. Well, that's true. That's the re- reviews. That reads us right in the trivia. On April 25th, 2000, the New York Mets and the Cincinnati Reds <laughs> played a game played a, played a game wearing their 69 uniforms to pr- promote the film. 
W2QYV, Frank Sullivan's ham radio call sign, actually belongs to the Niagara Radio Club in Lewiston, New York. Dennis Quaid received 16 stitches just above his hairline after being injured in the stunt where he slides down the construction funnels during the warehouse file. fire. He, ha- he had to remove his helmet as a story element. If not for that, he wouldn't have been injured. Nice. Uh, some strange 9-11 trivia. Be- oh, God. Besides the coincidence of the Sullivan home house number being the number of the FDNY lost, two of the doomed flight numbers appear. Frank's fire truck is United 93, and his son Johnny wears a jersey with the number, Amer- it's in quotes, American 77. That's really weird. Interesting. Elizabeth Mitchell, who plays Jim Caviezel's mother, in reality, oh, Mitchell is younger than Caviezel. Similar, th- similar through the story, and Mitchell's portrayal suggests that her character is about the same age as her husband, played by Dennis Quaid. Nice. She is 16 years younger than Quaid. At the time of the film's release, Quaid had just turned 46, Caviezel was 31, and Mitchell was 30. Hmm. Along with Sylvester Stallone, Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, Michael Keaton, Bruce Willis, Kurt Russell, Kevin Costner, Patrick Swayze, Ed Harris, Bill Paxton, Tom Hanks, Michael Bain, Alec Baldwin, Kevin Bacon, John Pivotal, Gary Sinise, Tommy Lee Jones, and Jeff Bridges were considered to play Frank Sullivan. Oh, God, imagine Costner in this film. Ooh, he could pull it off, but it wouldn't have been as good. Out of all of these people, I think Patrick Swayze may have been the best one. Roadhouse. Dennis Quaid has an earpiece when singing and dancing in the Elvis scene. Yes, I'm tapped on trivia. That's it for me. Nice, that's it. So let's uh, end our rating. The revolution is televised. Alright, so I'm going to go first. Because I kind of figure what Jay's going to rate this already. I'm just writing it down now. <laughs> so, Jay told me that this movie meant something special to him, so I made sure to make this appointment television. I've, I watched it a couple of times, including today before doing the podcast. Alright. Every single time I watched this movie, at the end, I cried. Every really? single time. I'm with you, man. Every single time. It's touching. It's there is, there's there is some holes towards the end, like I talked about, with with, with just some time space continuum bullshit. But it's a movie, <coughs> so it, it knocked it down a little bit. But it's still going to get a high rating. So I'm giving this movie a nine five, because it's a good movie. It gets emotion out of me, which makes it a good movie. Just the fact that I could argue plot with the, with the end just knocks it down a little bit. But it's still a it. nine five I movie. Love it. Jay's going to write it a 10, and I'm already writing it down right now. <laughs> Fuck off, dude. <laughs> Listen. This movie, there's never been anything done like it since. It's so original. It is such an original plot. The writing in this movie is fantastic. The acting is amazing. Everybody is great in this movie. I love how they bring in the 1969 Mets, the World Series. They bring that into the story to help 
influence the story. It's amazing how they do that. I fucking... It, it blew my mind, dude. When I saw this, the first, I was blown away. Jay's a big Mets fan. I, may, I used to be, yeah. My daughter's name is Shay after Shea Stadium. So it checks all the boxes. Your <laughs> wife, your daughter, you're a Mets fan. October 10th. October 10th. It's just... A, the Caviezel. He's the Caviezel. Yeah, that aside, dude. The creativity of this movie. Where is that now? This movie is so creative that they tried to do a television series off that didn't work. No. No. It didn't work. But they still... They, this inspired something. That's how original this movie this is. This movie is inspiring because it's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, you're right. It's a 10 for me. I know I'm throwing that around because, you know what? I'm picking 10s. <laughs> you guys are not you're, telling you're, us what to do, so I'm picking the ones we're doing. I'm picking good movies. That's uh, a, that's unlike the last one, it was an average movie, but this one's fucking great. It's a, it's good, a, it's a good movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I could dig it. Sucker. Yeah, sucker. So, ten and a nine and a half. Write that down, Bob. <laughs> I'm done. Another good show here at Flick Magnet Podcast. So, hit us up on our socials. We're at Facebook, but for how long? At Flick Magnet. What do you mean? Every time we get every time we do something, we get a little message from Facebook that we're copyright infringing. But uh, I think that's a fake. Uh, I think that's a fake. That's, I fixed it. I don't think that's real. I don't think so either. I think it's someone trying to steal your information. Yeah. We're also at Instagram at Flick Magnet. And email us our likes. Your likes, your suggestions. What do you want us to do? Because otherwise, we're going to just pick movies we like and give them high ratings. Two tens out of the past three movies for me. Uh, so our email is flickmagnetpod at yahoo.com. And, like, email is something good. Don't email us, like, Gone with the Wind. I don't have a lot of time to in- invest in a four-hour movie. I'll do it, though. I mean, I'll do it, but I want to be on vacation while I do it. If you want to uh, live on, on, on the edge... Tell us to do Schindler's List. Oh, God. How can I do... Oh. I mean, nowadays, people might agree with the fucking Nazis. Yeah, that's terrible. It's, we are living in a crazy world right now. The world is turned upside down. It's nuts. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Don't tell us to do that, because I don't want to do that movie. It's a sad movie. It's, de- it's very depressing. Yeah, I don't want to do sad stuff. Let's do good movies. Well, happy movies. Like Goldmember. I want to do Goldmember. I love gold. My Vinky was a, was a key all along. Smoking a pancake. I don't like people. I can't tolerate people who are intolerant to other people's nationalities. And the Dutch. Daddy wasn't there to take me to the fair. I thought I smelled cabbage. <laughs> yes. Alrighty. Alright. Oh, um, tell, us, tell them about the thing we're doing next week. Yes, next week we're going to be recording our our end of season episode. This is the This is technically We should have prefaced this at the top of the show. This is the start of season 2. And next week we're going to be doing a introspective of the first season. 
should be fun. I'm, looking, I'm actually looking forward to that. So email us what you liked about the first season, what you thought we could have done better, what do you thought wasn't properly rated. So until next time, see you later. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a friend. Down the road and back again. Me and you would be a pal and a confidant. next week's show so two weeks from now Bob has no idea here it is I'm placing a personal bounty on the head of Tim McCracken you can't put a bounty on a man's head I just did go get him killer it's wild it's outrageous it's outrageously funny Paul Newman coach Reggie Dunlop in this supercharged world of hockey Invite you to meet the crazies who make it that way. The players. Murderers Row. The wives. The fans. The managers. We're losing! Teamwork, guys. More team. They're burying us alive! Who are these guys? They brought their toys with them. And hustling of all, Paul Newman. Oh, you are very clever. Leave him. My wife left me. I was driving her crazy. Get out! You can't make him win. You're a losing coach. Okay, guys. Show us what you got. (laughs) Behind the comedy, the sex, the wild excitement. This is the absorbing story of one man fighting to hang on in a world gone absurd. There's never been a film like Slapshot. There may never be another. Hey, little chief.